0: Clavu sponsors the Replatform podcast. Check out Clavu Smart Search in action on Replatform.fm to help you find the podcast you're looking for.
1: In other news, we've written a guide with input from James and Paul: Replatforming tips for in-house e-commerce teams. Download free at
0: Clavu.com/Replatform.
2: Hello, and well, welcome back to the Replatform podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in. It is myself James Ged, and I'm joined by my co-host Rogers. How you doing, mate?
0: I'm good, thank you. How are you? Did you have a good week yeah. off?
2: Yeah, yeah, I did. As I said to you a bit earlier, like mentally uh, not quite all all there yet <laughs> on the first day back after 10 days of playing with the kids, basically. So, yeah, it's been nice. But I'm looking forward to uh, getting back into podcast recording. Should be uh, an entertaining episode today.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So right, let's let's set the scene before we introduce today's guest. So we're talking about the fundamentals of B two B commerce platforms as part of our B two B commerce um, series. Now B two B commerce is it, is huge. Uh, Statista predicted that B two B sales will reach one point two trillion dollars by end of twenty twenty one. So that's a big number. Uh, it's grown year on year quite uh, significantly. A double digit growth predicted right the way through until twenty twenty four. Now, business-to-business transactions can be as simple as an order for stationery. Having worked with Sage uh, on their B2B site, know that uh, sometimes B2B purchasing is pretty much the same process as B2C, but there can be much more complex transactions involving different quotes, multiple um, decision-makers, product configuration. For example, in manufacturing, things like complex plant machinery, et cetera. So although B2B has some similarities to B2C, and a lot of the principles are, are, and the foundations are the same, there are many unique challenges and specific functionalities, such as the quotations, account-based pricing, etc. So today we're talking to a leading B2B commerce platform to find out how their technology supports B2B merchants, key features their clients make the most, most use of, really get some learning from the people who are out there at the cold face delivering projects. So welcome today to the podcast, Chris Raven. How are you, sir?
1: I'm very good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, appreciate you uh, reaching out and getting me on this podcast
2: yeah thanks for taking the time so what would be useful first before we start uh, annoying you with questions is could you give our listeners an introduction to both yourself and what you do for Oro and what is Oro like how do you position yourselves
1: absolutely so um my name is Chris Raven, and I've I've, for Oro I work as a, a UK channel manager so what that basically means is that I support prospective clients to the platform in getting them uh, scoped and get helping them understand actually what they need from a platform and, and sometimes beyond that which I'm sure we'll get into and I also support our partner network so obviously we work a lot with um, agencies and I, I use that term to describe people who are involved with web development and kind of digital marketing to, to help business clients deploy Oro Commerce and Oro CRM and uh, get the best out of it, because um, it's a bit different to a kind of a a Shopify installation or something like that. Um, Oro Inc. as a company um, positions their product, Oro Commerce, as an enterprise-grade e-commerce platform tailored to B2B. So what that means is that it's a platform that's built from the ground up. Um, purely for those B2B features that you that you talked about in your intro. So it's quite different to a, a kind of direct-to-consumer. Uh, I've got a gallery of products in a warehouse and I want to sell them all around. It's quite different to that.
0: Um, so Oro was started by Yoav and some of the other ex-Magento people. Um, so what was the kind of initial goal with the platform and how were you looking to create a different proposition uh, to Magento for B2B? And what are some of the key selling points from your perspective?
1: Yeah, great, great question. So, you know, this, the story that is is told, which is absolutely true, is that, is that Yoav and um, Dima and the rest of the guys, they, they sort of went through that journey with Magento and, and they built a great product, sold it to eBay, um, and they kind of realigned themselves and said, well, the world is going to need this for B2B. You have to remember this was more than 10 years ago now. So the, the landscape is quite different and it's quite forward thinking at the time to think, OK, B2B e-commerce, how's that going to replace field sales or support field sales models? How is that going to change in the world or, or the relationships between retailers and wholesalers and wholesalers and manufacturers and and everything in between? How, how, how can companies better serve a range of their, their clients from the the one-man bands that are just starting to the kind of global multinationals because there are some companies that sell to that those those extremes and those ranges. So I think they sat down and they thought, well, what do we need from the architecture? What what should we choose to make it kind of robust, give it longevity, make sure it's completely supported, it's going to be supported for a long time. Um, and PHP was was the was the route with Symphony. And um, they looked at what the requirements were from a business-to-business sales perspective and built Oro from the ground up to support that. So whereas a lot of the other platforms in the marketplace have recognized the need for B2B functionality and kind of bolted on modules to their existing um, D2C proposition, Oro is built for B2B from the ground up. So there are some fundamental differences, um, which I can describe or we can can get into in, in a later question.
0: Great. And then um, what does an average Oro customer look like? Like why would that customer be looking at Oro as opposed to some of the other solutions on the market?
1: So they're, they're generally a manufacturer or a wholesaler. So they're, they're either making something that isn't necessarily applicable to sell direct to consumer, or they're making something that they have a network of sales channels for in the a, in a kind of physical offline space. And they want to translate that to online or they're already trading online and it's with a legacy platform or something that's blocking them from scaling, either from scaling just in the UK or from from making it international. Um, So they're generally, I would say, 10 million plus revenue and um, probably bursting at the seams with a, a kind of tech stack that isn't right for them anymore with, with with respect to, say, an ERP that they've evolved with, maybe no product information management system, uh, an e-commerce uh, platform that is allows people to kind of log in and buy, but it's really clunky from a user perspective, and they can't administrate prices and pricing tiers well. And, and it's really very basic in terms of the functionality that it gives them in, in the back end, um, uh, you know that's especially critical when you're talking to. So I'll give an example. If you've got a um, a food and drink manufacturer and they want to sell to a, an enormous chain of pubs or something like that, they those that huge pub chain is going to want to place orders. They're going to have an infrastructure with a buying manager and a procurement system. They're going to want to place orders through an integration, or they're going to want to place orders at the very least with a bulk. A bulk order update or a, or a quick order from last order, those kind of features just aren't on a lot of legacy platforms. They aren't on a lot of B two C platforms. So it's that kind of thing that starts you delving into the detail of of why customers look to our. Own. Um,
2: so I was looking through the site. I said before we got on the call that you know I've known of Oro for a while, but I've never worked with it. So I'm intrigued about how it's kind of set up. And it looks like there's a similar approach for multi-store as Magento, which kind of makes sense given the, the, the background of the founders, etc. cetera. Is that a big selling point? Do a lot of customers choose Oro because of the international capabilities?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it goes beyond that as well. So not, not only do we have that kind of multi-store capability um, where you can spin up unlimited uh, you know, whereas Magento is limited, unlimited websites, uh, front ends to either localize to different regions or, for example, to select one brand from your portfolio and position it in a different way. We, we get quite a few people doing that. So they've, they're, they're a wholesaler or a manufacturer. They've, they've got a trade site that's applicable to their 90 percent of their customers. And then um, they actually want to spin one of those brands off and serve it direct to consumer or serve it directly to a different um, trade demographic so, so that's definitely a, a feature that people want um, and kind of connected to that we have the ability to obviously manipulate um, currency and tax provision that kind of thing but also to um allow uh, the use of multiple warehouses in different countries in different regions in different areas so connecting multiple warehouse systems to one oro commerce backend is a um it's quite it's quite a specific feature that you don't often see, but that, that's something that a lot of our customers uh do like, especially if they're if they're multi-territory. Yeah,
2: make makes sense. I mean it's one of the uh, the, the big advantages uh, for companies expanding is having a flexible uh system. There are other platforms that are very good in other ways, but not so easy to make true international work. Um and, and how open is the platform? So we talked about the like the, the magento connections in terms of um the founding team but is it an open source solution um is it is it non-open source uh, is it cloud native or on-prem or both so what what are the kind of i guess what are the different options for people using it
1: yeah all of the above so, so it is it is open source um uh with a fully open api and um it, you can customize to your heart's content so you can you can you can make anything of oro um i don't know if you know but Oro Inc. actually started off with a business architecture platform, a back that they built on top of Symfony. And that business architecture platform uh, provides the fundamental building blocks of code for Oro Commerce and Oro CRM, but it's also fully open to others to use. So um, uh, a company called Akinio has built a, a PIM off the back of that architecture, and a company called Morello has built loosely an ERP, although it's not really accounting um, it's it's not really an accounting piece of software. It's it's more of a business operations ERP. Uh, but they've they've taken that Oro kind of building blocks and they've they've built their own completely distinct products off the back of it. So that that's an aside, but um, that just shows how open it is. Oro uh, for both the CRM product as a standalone and the Oro Commerce product, which has Oro CRM uh, natively baked in. Both of those are available in a community edition, which has no license fees, and, and for that. You need to have your own developers or you need to use a, a, an agency to develop and implement it for you. And you need to find your own hosting or host it on premise. So, you, but you know, we have nearly a million installs of, of the architecture and, and the community edition across the world. So the, the uptake is pretty good for a company of, of this age. And um, even the enterprise edition. So when you, when you buy our enterprise edition, which has um, cloud hosting provided as part of the license fee, Uh, although you can install it on-prem if you want, Um, and multiple other kind of benefits, extra features, extra functionality, um, extra performance boosts as part of the license fee edition. That's still fully open. You can fully customize that if you choose to. I think, like everything, the reality is that it's a bit different to the kind of Magento old days where... You, you had to be very careful what you customised because um, there was such an ecosystem of apps plugged into your store, or you needed to make sure that things weren't conflicting, or you needed to make sure that um, it didn't. Uh, you didn't have to spend three days updating your entire system when PHP got updated. It's a bit different to that. So we do have a sort of app ecosystem to an extent, but it's, it's, not, it's really to bolt on specific edge cases rather than to create core functionality. Um, and our only caveat with our open architecture is that you you need to be aware of what our long-term releases provide in terms of their updates. So customizing core entities within the oro system uh, that that then get updated by a long-term release is something that you'd you'd have to put some investment into making sure that was robust. But if you customize everything outside of that and then keep updating to our long-term releases, you you have a far more robust open source entity, so um, yeah, I hope that answers the question. There's a lot of a lot in that, and you could unpick lots of detail in in those those points. But yeah, that's that's an over the top answer.
0: Yeah, that that all makes sense. I think it's really interesting. You forget how many um, yeah really well known established companies have come out of that kind of initial Magento group, particularly Vakineo there as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So one of um, my next question, so moving on to kind of B2B features. So what are some of the core features that B2B merchants generally look for? Um, and what are some of those, um, like which of those features are the ones that tend to be on all of your RFPs?
1: Yeah, it, it's it's all wrapped up in the way that uh, the the software looks at how companies and, and users are administrated to some extent. So everything sort of spans off this If you think about how a lot of D2C platforms are administered, they tend to tie an individual email address as a primary key. So all of your accounts are based on, they're they're linked to a single email address. With Oro, that's one of the fundamental differences is that the software considers a company to be the customer. So within that company, you can then administer a, a massive hierarchy of Individuals, users, um, different accounts, different contacts, different uh, brands, different vendors. Uh, you know, uh, you could have a head office and and branches. You could have a single entity with multiple customers underneath it. The, the way that you can architect that is fundamentally easier. And by architect, I mean things like uh, permissions. So. Who's allowed to do what in the system? Can this person order on behalf of this company, or do they need to go through an approval workflow? Um, Can can this store order of their own own regard, or do they have to go through head office? And then linked to that, pricing. So fundamentally with B2B clients, there's generally not um, a single price that gets displayed. There is pricing based on bulk ordering. There's pricing based on negotiated discounts. There's one-off pricing on individual products based on a, a specific single negotiation for one order. There's pricing based on promotions in the same way that you would have in your in your kind of B2C world. Y- y- fundamentally, B2B platforms need to be able to accommodate uh, just a, a, a radical difference in pricing tiers um, to make sure that you you don't have manual intervention all the time when customers need different pricing based on their their size or their requirements or their status within your company. So the pricing is a really big one. Um, I touched on it briefly in talking about kind of approval workflows, but generally in a kind of B2C environment, you have a customer who selects a product online, they click buy and they pay, and the product gets sent to them. And they're in charge of that entire relationship until the product is dispatched. In the B2B world, there are countless potential additional steps, whether that be credit control, because the business has run up to the top of its credit limit um, with with the vendor, and they need to be able to negotiate around that, or they need to be told that they have to pay some more before they can have their delivery or whether it's, like I mentioned before, individuals within that architecture not having the right permissions to order, or, for example, being able to make that negotiation of pricing. So, okay, the tiered pricing tells me I can have price of £25.50 each if I buy up to 10, but actually I want to buy 1,000. So Oro gives you the functionality natively to put a, a kind of RFQ in, a request for quote. So you can go directly on that product as part of your shopping basket and say, I want thousands of these. I'd like the price to be £22. And if you've set the parameters in the back end to be between, say, 21 and £23, that can automatically approve it. If it's if it the parameters are set between 23 and £24.50, say, then it will be flagged to a, a, a kind of internal uh, stakeholder to to review so the complexity there is just the tip of the iceberg really but that that's that's a sort of snapshot of the the pricing element um again we talked about multiple warehouses so yes you could get that in a b2c capacity but in b2b if, if people are operating from a single country uh, as a head office but then they are dispatching goods from many warehouses and they need to be able to uh, display on their site Kind of real-time inventory and real-time shipping um, projections, especially especially in the context of businesses operating in the U.S., this is critical. Uh, and that's something that, again, it's, it's sort of native um, within our accounts. Obviously, need to build in different ERPs, which is integration work rather than uh, anything that would be native. But it, it's that kind of functionality that is discrete. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. There's far more to it, but I'll pause there and see if you've got any questions that spur off that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um so you've answered my next question around pricing, but I'll let James talk a bit more about catalogue and PIM in a second. Um but one question I had, so you mentioned CPQ there, which is a big area of B2B. Um typically, would your average client use your built-in functionality or would they then use a third-party CPQ technology?
1: It it, it really varies. It depends on the business itself. So I think um yeah you can't really even generalize so so we see a lot of people at the, the kind of lower lower revenue scales because like, we obviously enterprise grade so where people could use us when they've got 10 million or so revenue, actually there's we we have enormous uh companies using the product and their requirements are typically slightly different. So there's no sat path, there's no set pattern, no generalization. We have people using both our own internal systems and plugging third parties in. Um, yeah, same same goes for things like EDI, you know, where you sort of have a punch out directly into a, a vendor catalog and you can directly order through them and it and it's just boosted straight straight into your e-commerce system without actually going through the front end of the e-commerce system. That's crops up from time to time. Um, and that's sort of wrapped wrapped together into that really.
2: Oh, this is taken me back to my early days uh, in London, where I worked for a e- uh, procurement company, right at the early stages of e-procurement systems. Um, <laughs> and, and yes, the integration capabilities are slightly easier these days.
1: Yeah, RESTful API. If, if it hasn't got a RESTful API, we don't want to talk about it, to be honest.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, some of the, the pre, uh, pre-solution discovery work in those days was quite painful in terms of file integrations. Um, I've got something right. Really, so you were talking about pricing, the price and flexibility and you know, quotes, custom pricing, et cetera. Linked to that product catalogue management. I'd love to hear about what, what are the key features um, in terms of managing like custom catalogues, um, you know, filtered views by user permission, you know, country-based restrictions, etc. What, what what does Oro do out of the
1: box? It well, all of that. So, so the, the thing about Oro is that it's it's probably uh, you know, I've seen a lot of platforms. I've worked with a lot of platforms, and I would say that Oro is the most comprehensively featured out of the box. So there'll always be customization in B two B. Nothing will ever suit everybody's purpose right from the off, because B two B inherently is complex. But y- you know, you ask, you've asked the question, and I can honestly say that those those features are native. So if you want to, um, if you want to set, for example, a storefront up. Uh, that has a view to anybody who's not logged in and then when you do log in you, you're presented with whatever the company has administrated in the back end and they can choose what promotional content you're served what content blocks you're served whether you're given a specific catalog and then if you're a user with different permissions in that company then you can be served specific products from that catalog um it, it's all linked back to that hierarchy of administration. So the company is the customer, administrating different individuals within that company. And yeah, it's very flexible in terms of how you can display products or promotions or or even specific pages. Um, The limitations aren't so much platform-based, it's more about a planning exercise. Who who do you want to see what? That's probably where the complexity comes
2: okay cool so, so I guess the key thing is it's it's about businesses needing to be prescriptive about what they want um and setting the right controls accordingly um because I guess the danger of the flexible platform uh, is known how you want to use it
1: yeah absolutely and and that's where I would say so there's two there's two components to that one is yeah how good is your scope how good is your brief because the ones where that isn't well controlled they tend to be the ones where it takes longer for the implementation to happen and and that's not usually implementation time that's time between we want we want to buy it and we're ready to start implementing because they need to go through that that exercise you'd be surprised how many b2b clients don't create a scope um and actually linked to that you've got this um this premise where they somebody in the company says i want to scale And to scale, we need to be able to trade online more effectively. So they start looking around and building a kind of procurement um, roadmap for an e-commerce system. And then you start talking to them and having a discovery call. And you get down the line. And actually, it turns out that their existing architecture needs to be addressed before they can input a new commerce system. And that, I would say, is our number one. Industry blocker to moving forward with a with a commerce product. It's because they've got an ERP system that it, they realise in the discovery call it, it, it exposes the weaknesses in that existing architecture, um, or, or the way that they administrate their inventory management or their accounting. Or you know, when all these building blocks yeah. and fundamentals are need redressing or, or adapting first, that can often be a bigger blocker than Say missing some functionality or, or needing to customize for the commerce product.
2: So it's really. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the midst of a project now where an e commerce it's B2C, but this is well, BC and B2B actually. Uh, and the same challenges a uh, new ERP is being selected at the point of an e commerce platform being put in, but the ERP is not known and there are so many dependencies. And then you go, oh, this is going to be fun mapping those out.
1: Yeah, yeah, common it's very common and uh, it doesn't make it any easier or better but it is <laughs> it's common
2: no exactly and not i guess the, the that scoping point is so important because it's it, it doesn't matter whether you're b2b b2c b2c and b2b you have to have a scope and you have to have a, a clear definition of requirements and what you're trying to achieve and what priorities are otherwise it's just how long's a piece of string in terms of how, how you know what what do you use for platform for
1: yeah, absolutely. And, and it makes it also hard to uh, demonstrate, right? It makes it hard to illustrate what the, yeah. the benefits of using the platform are. Because if we don't know the full scope, it's really hard for us to say, well, we've got this feature and it will benefit you in a specific way. So, for example, we allow unlimited shopping lists. So if you're, a let's take the example of, say, an automotive parts vendor or wholesaler, and they're serving lots of lit- lots of little garages automotive repair garages and one-man bands and things like that or even bigger ones like quick fit and people like that they might want the, the the buyers might want to have a kind of ongoing monthly replenishment shopping list where they they need more brake pads and more brake discs and more three-in-one oil I know, i don't use three-in-one oil but you know what i mean so they've, they've got this shopping list in their in their Oro platform where they're kind of just going through day-to-day and going, oh, we'll need some more of that next month. Let's add that in. And then somebody comes in and they've got an urgent need to get their car fixed and they they require just one or two pieces, but they need it next day. With Oro, you can spin up um, another shopping list and it might have a completely different approval workflow because it's like an urgent need or something like that. So you can can administer that in the back end. But the, the buyer can just spin up a separate shopping list and go through that checkout, leaving the other shopping list exactly in the state that they need it to go back to and, and continue with their monthly order. And you can do that in an unlimited capacity. So that that kind of functionality is, not yeah. uh, unless we know that they're gonna need that, that's just one example, but there's lots of versions yeah. of that where if they don't do a scope, how can we possibly demonstrate that feature successfully and, and illustrate that they're gonna get some benefit from it from either an efficiency point of view or from more sales?
2: No, and it's it's the thing that me and Paul have banged on about for, for many years when working with anybody is, is don't go into a demo just asking to look at the platform. It's a complete waste of everyone's time. And it's a nightmare for, for vendors as well. Can you demo the platform? It's like well, where do we start? You have to be scenario specific and it has to be in the context of the business, whether that's you know, looking at its processes or key functional capabilities and really teasing out those. Those unique bits where we we do this and we customised it. How would your platform enable it?
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent. And actually, you know, there's there's something there that's emerging, and you guys will have seen this, I'm sure. But lots of people at the moment want to make a marketplace. Marketplaces is the zeitgeist, yeah. and lots of platforms are either, you know have provision for marketplaces, and Aura is included in that. In fact, we're we're, we're Releasing a marketplace edition, um, and th- there are some fundamental differences between how marketplaces are enacted and and straight up B two B sites are enacted. But they the the building blocks are already there in Oro. So we have multi vendor capability, for example, and combine that with multi warehouse, multi organization support, multiple pricing, multiple shopping lists, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, all the other things that we've already talked about. Then you've got your marketplace platform, already built. Um, But my point with that comment is that there's so many people that just come and they say, right, I want to do a marketplace. And that's, that's it. They've maybe even thought about the product that they want to, they want to sell. You know, maybe they want to sell food products from many different vendors from a very specific geographical locale, and that's their marketplace. Beyond that, they often haven't thought about anything that they need. They just know that they want to do a marketplace. So that becomes an even more challenging demonstration and, and more challenging discovery call. But that's the kind of ones we love, really, because they're the ones that we we can really get into it with a prospective client. And um, obviously the danger is that you spend a lot of time going through <laughs> discovery and that it's not right for them because they haven't got any budget or something like that. But um yeah, you know, that's that's kind of the fun bits for me is, is talking to people about what they actually want from the platform. What do they want from their their business as an outcome, and, and how can we how can we provide a product that serves that? Because the platform is the platform, the technology is the technology, and it is really good. But ultimately, I want to talk to people about what their business is trying to do, what's it trying to achieve, and what are their outcomes. And that sometimes that that leads to different features that they've not even thought about, um, which is really interesting for me.
0: Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I think, um, yeah, James and I have both seen that, uh, increased demand around marketplace recently. And yeah. it feels like that's yeah, a particularly big, hot topic at the moment. Um, so my next question. So how we've obviously talked about kind of the openness of the platform and it being built on... Um, a pretty flexible kind of infrastructure um but in terms of the apis like what level of api coverage do you have across the platform around the different kind of uh, features and modules um and it, does anyone use it in a headless um capacity at the moment
1: uh, great question so yes so the 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 API allows you to create any endpoint you want. So this is probably my weakest area from a technological perspective. I'm not I'm not a coder. I'm not particularly tech. But the, the API does allow you to create um, uh, any interaction or integration that you want with the platform. So there's no limitations. There's no blockers. Um, there are a couple of companies using it in a headless capacity. So they use Oro Commerce as the kind of engine um, behind the scenes to power the transactional and catalog and you know product and order perspectives and then they'll bolt on a um a, a different front end a completely completely different front end and then they'll have their kind of headless erp or or whatever other infrastructure that they've got um and not I'm just trying to think if I've got a case study for that one that I can reference but uh, at the moment, I, it doesn't come to me but there are a couple of people using it in a headless capacity but yeah the, the short answer is there's no restrictions to the api well i mean bandwidth is going to be impacted you don't want loads and loads of api calls going on over and over again you don't want to impact speed or whatever but but ultimately practically there's no there's no limitations
2: and we, we uh talked a bit earlier about that there's a crm platform as well as the the the, the commerce platform yeah. but is is the crm completely separate is it fully integrated and and do customers typically if they take commerce take the crm as well It'd be useful to understand a bit of that context
1: yeah absolutely so um the crm is a standalone product um uh, it actually predated the commerce product a little bit and um in in my earlier days as an agency manager, I, I we we tended to sell quite a lot of our CRM um products because it it bolted very very well to Magento 1.9 X. So um the CRM is a standalone product. We we tend to be in the same space as Salesforce, Microsoft Dynamics, those, those kind of um enterprise grade uh products. And we're also it's the same pattern as a community edition and there's a, a an enterprise edition same same makeup really the community edition is is something that you need to find your own hosting for whereas the, the enterprise is cloud hosted and the enterprise um, edition has some extra functionality some extra performance features um improved processing in the back end uh, better better job management things like that so yes the crM is a standalone um we also completely bundle the CRM with the commerce product. So fundamentally, uh, in a B2B relationship, uh, the the communications and the relationship between the vendor and suppliers is absolutely critical um, all the way through. And to have a commerce product where you don't have a CRM seems counterproductive. So I think there's a lot of companies that, are very very grateful that we have the CRM baked in because they haven't got one and it, they suddenly see this new world where they they've got everybody in the business centralized on one system they've got all their field sales team on say iPads or laptops and they're all using ORO and they're all using the same systems they're suddenly out of multiple spreadsheet, spreadsheets in different formats and people not updating them regularly and people getting lost in systems so There's a huge efficiency benefit to people who don't have a CRM already. Those are the people that tend to take it without question. The people um, who want a commerce product and they've already got an established CRM, yeah, we have the conversation with them, but you don't have to use the baked-in CRM. There's no detriment to the commerce product if you don't use it. And if you integrate your existing incumbent CRM system, then you know you that's that's comfortable that's comfortable for you but i would say the oro crm when baked into oro commerce has a very very interesting dynamic because when you look at a crm like salesforce or something like that where it's a specific almost pipeline management crm in the world of B2B where you you, you understand where leads are and what you want to do with them next and whether you've won the deal or or lost the deal or and got some notes on the account. CRM has that, has the kind of B2B pipeline management functionality. But what it also has is this much more, and we were talking about this just a little bit before the podcast started, this kind of colliding of worlds of B2C and B2B. It has a a really interesting marketing automation, customer segmentation and customer analytics component to it, where it's it's more like um, uh, an RFM uh, construct where you're looking for sorry, RFM is recency, frequency, and monetary value. So where you're looking at metrics that delineate how customers are interacting with you and how they're behaving transactionally. And, and actually you can plug in a piece of JavaScript and see what they're browsing on site as well. So you, you've suddenly got this really enhanced business view. So not only have you got customer support tickets, customer cases, transactional history, behavioral history on site, Their history with you in terms of when they were a customer, how they acted on in the lead process. Um, You've got this incredible system with all the data in that allows you to then take our built-in segmentation engine and say, okay, well, I want to find all the customers that have bought ten times in the last three months and spent over five thousand pounds, and suddenly you're in this world of RFM segmentation where you can. really start to nurture different different portions of your customer base and bring them you know serve them different communications or um, make sure that you don't leave anybody behind or make sure that you 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 really serve your customers in the best possible way by understanding how they're behaving with you whether that's to promote better sales whether that's to get feedback on on why you've not done very well or, or why they're not buying from you anymore there's myriad reasons but you can also if you've connected it to a a kind of mailing system you can also layer an engagement there so are they actually responding to your calls or to your um, emails that you're sending them so that's that's a real b2c feel that's that's very much like having clavio plugged into your shopify site and and understanding um how to how to kind of automate welcome flows and cross-sell email flows to people you're being able to replicate that to an extent with in a b2b world and where you've, where you've got a vendor selling consumable products that's pretty critical because you want your regular buyers to keep coming back and to be able to serve them re- with information about replenishments or updated products or products they should add to their portfolio for, for, for their own um, buyers so the crM is a, is a critical component in my view to an ongoing business um case uh, but but yes <laughs> short short answer is, It's baked in, but you don't have to use it if you buy the ORO Commerce product.
2: Yeah, so so like another, if people are already using a, whether it's a enterprise ESP or a CRM, they can use your APIs to connect to that, or they can look at the ORO one alongside the commerce. Exactly. Yeah, which makes, I I agree, I mean, CRM is so important. And so it's amazing how many businesses don't have a a proper CRM strategy or proper tooling, and it's actually parts of CRM are done by different teams. And it's, it's interesting that that still happens.
1: Yeah, 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 and um, it's the majority. I would say it's the minority of people that are looking at, at CRM uh, if they don't already have it and use it, and then uh, an even smaller minority off the back of that are starting to ask for very, very direct to consumer esque functionality on their on their kind of scoping documents or RFQs, or RFIs. Yeah. So, so things like. Um, I don't know, live chat or on-site personalization uh, from machine learning and things like that. So, so those th- there are a few B2B vendors pushing, kind of pushing to feel more like D2C. Um, those are the ones I've given you are bad examples because you kind of want them on, on a lot of sites. But we've had a few recently where we sort of looked at it and thought, why on earth? I, I don't think that would match uh, a business buyer's requirements so i think sometimes they're asked for the sake of it um almost like they've browsed somebody's googled what should my online store look like and then put it into an rfi which isn't really the way to construct an rfi but we sometimes do see that a little bit oh yeah rfis
2: rfps that's a whole new episode uh in discussion um i've got so you, you touched on earlier about, like, the enterprise edition, um, and I know that has Commerce Community Edition and Enterprise are very similar to, to how Magento is, and your enterprise is based on GMV. What, the question that, that always burns on, on people's minds with platforms is, why why would I go to a paid version when there's, like, cheaper versions or free versions? So, And I know that the Community Edition uh, in Oro has got a lot of features included. So from your experience of working with, uh, with lots of different businesses... Why do people upgrade to enterprise and what would be the typical driver for people to take enterprise versus community? Like, Is it a simple case of if you're a simple single country, single currency site, you go community. If you're a complex or an international, you go enterprise.
1: Yeah, it it sort of boils down to that, but it's not quite as cut and dry. I'd say if you're um, a a single geography and uh, you you have a single warehouse and you don't need um, multi-organisation support, things like that, then the Community Edition is worth looking at. There is, I think it depends on your scale as well, though. If you're selling a lot of smaller products, then the reality is that you probably need the kind of features that are on Enterprise in terms of um, performance technology. So without looking at features at the moment, the Enterprise Edition supports um, much improved database management. So speed and processing power of the database. Uh, the enterprise edition comes with Elasticsearch built in, um, and it comes with things like LDAP integration, and it comes with just a level of administrative and functional scalability that's that's different. So, for example, it has Rabbit to process its message queuing um, for uh, just. It, Radically improved responsiveness and performance. So, if you're trading hard, you need you need the site speed benefits. If you're up and r- if you're just getting up and running, Community is is absolutely brilliant because it has so many features that y- you may never need Enterprise. But if if you're if you are a true enterprise business, if you're you know trading at eight to eight million pounds of revenue plus a year, eight to ten million a year upwards arguably you're going to need the performance benefits. And I think if you're trading at that level from a, from a business growth perspective, you, are, are you looking outside of the UK? Because if you are, then multiple currencies aren't supported on the, the community edition. And, and yeah, you could build it in, but the cost of building it in is, is probably more than the cost of, build, of buying a license for a year or something like that. So it there are some functional considerations if we look at features on the commerce product in particular, I'm talking about here. If you want to grow wider than the UK, it's critical that you go enterprise. And if you have, like I described earlier, this kind of multi-brand um, or multi-geography scenario, then you, you do need the enterprise edition. If you're in the marketplace kind of um, uh, area of business, then you need then you need the. The, the, the enterprise edition fundamentally enterprise is, is adding in things like multi organization support multiple warehouse management uh, multi vendor support multi warehouse uh, sorry uh, multi website um support and back ordering as well um so there while community is fully loaded enterprise just adds a whole new layer um you know practically as well enterprise edition allows us to layer on better support. So with community, I don't think many companies in the world would be able to support a uh, kind of kind of customer QA uh, of a million potential requests a day or, or requests every hour. You know, if we've got a million, a million or so community installs, we, we just don't have the bandwidth to field support inquiries from that that roster of clients. Whereas with enterprise, part of the license fee allows us to, to give access to um, engineers, so software engineers and customer support entities with uh, with SLAs in place. So that might be a how-to question, might be training, it might be a bug fix, anything like that. So there, there are some benefits from a kind of practical uh, business management perspective as well. But yeah, that's uh, the, the fundamentally it's around... Multiple currencies, expansion beyond a single warehouse, single uh single country, single website entity.
0: Yeah, that all uh makes sense. Um all sounds very magento as well, anakinio Um so last question from me. Um do you what do you have on your roadmap for this year? Like what else is coming up kind of functionally?
1: So the, the marketplace um product is really our, our focus. So enhanced marketplace capabilities is pretty critical um, for the future. And, and alongside that, there are things like how do we give better import-export features? How do we improve and optimize performance in UX when working with you know, hundreds of line items and RFQs? Um, what can we do out of the box to give people interesting templates or uh difference in brand pages and navigation styles for example how can we improve filter views or granularity of of filters um can we improve things like product bundling and kits and and provide content widgets and things like that so so it's because we're so fully featured and we don't have a lot of bugs to fix the roadmap is is is, is very much incremental benefit. It's optimization and, and you know there's no revolutionary elements that are needed. It's more about okay, how can we keep making this a lot better? So, so what I've just talked about is sort of in our in our likely to be in our long-term release upcoming at the end of the year. Um longer term, yeah, like can we build in more shipping integrations? Can we build in a sales-specific front end, you know, the world, the world is, is our oyster really. And, and we're, we operate fairly typically. So we've got engineers and, and product managers and, and the leadership team looking at the wider context of Oro and the business landscape and, and saying, okay, what, what does the business landscape need from Oro now? But then we've also got a customer base requesting features and requesting functionality. Um, so we can look at that, and we can we can embed that into the roadmap as well. If lots of people are requesting the same thing, then clearly there's an emerging need for it. So we can kind of push that up the up the roadmap scale, if you like. Um, beyond that, yeah, reporting dashboards, general general improvements. There's no, there's no there's no gaps as such that I can that I can think of. Um, it's more about how to make everything better for for users.
2: Uh, the marketplace one is an interesting one i'd uh, be keen to see uh, see how that develops when that's uh, announced so um but thanks thanks for coming on we we've, we've uh, asked all the questions we wanted to ask uh, and and learned a lot of interesting things about um ro commerce crm etc so chris really appreciate you taking the time to to share your knowledge of the platform with us
1: you're very welcome thank you again for having me on i've enjoyed it
2: um, and if anybody wants to deep dive into specific capabilities, features, or use cases, uh, how can they reach out to you?
1: So if they go on to um, oro, com, uh, let's have a look, oroinc.com slash UK, um, there is a contact us button, and that will get them directly to me, and I can help them in the UK if they're a, if they're a potential um, business customer, if they're a potential partner. Yeah. Or... Chris
2: at OroInc.com. Okay, fantastic. Um, And thanks to everyone, as always, for listening. We hope you found that a a useful and uh, insightful episode on Commerce and B2B in general. Do keep an eye out for the next episode in our series. We're talking to to Spryker and looking at their Cloud OS platform and feature set. And please do subscribe if you haven't already and let others know who might find this episode and future episodes useful. So thanks for listening. Have a good day.